There was a pope of recent vintage who was uh, newly elected. And in the middle of the night, he woke up. He was thinking about some puzzling thing he had to field and deal with it. He'd been musing about, and he couldn't figure out what to do. And he said to himself, well, tomorrow I'll ask the Pope. And then it came to him, whoa, I am the Pope. Now you often hear people say, the church should do something about this or about that or about something else. Well, I'm not an engineer and I'm not an architect. But if we're talking about this building, I don't think this building is going to get it done. Nor will the lighting, nor the liturgical books, nor the vestments. If something's going to get done, it is us, because we are the church. You know these are digits, don't you? We're trying to keep up in the church, keep up with modern times. I think I've told some of you, I've evolved a digital ecclesiology study of the church. Are you with me? Just wanna make sure you've had your continuing ed. Are you with me? Good, here we go. Put your fingers like this. Come on, come on, let's go, I'm watching. Up here, wanna see them. Okay, put your fingers like this. Okay, close it and put your thumbs like that. This is the church. This is the steeple. I don't see enough steeples. This is the steeple. Turn it upside down. Here's all the people. Now that's digital proof that we are the church. You can check that back in the fathers and in scripture. But it's a thing we most often forget. Someone should do something. There was a, there was a fellow who said, uh, who didn't go to church, wouldn't help with anything. And the pastor was visiting around and he said, why don't you go to church? He said, well, I opened the door and I looked in, there's too many hypocrites. And he said, well, I'm sure we could find room for one more. I'm sure we could find room for one more. Now we have a great grace coming up, the Holy Spirit descending. We have this literal novena, the first of all, the primordial one with Pentecost to come. But here we are in this period of ascension. And I must tell you that uh, I'm sure you know as an aside, that holy, holidays came from holy days. Does that sound like a fair derivation etymologically? But the holy days used to be holidays. They used to be days off. Right now, help me afterwards, but I can think of just Christmas and New Year's that are holy days that are also holidays. And so bishops in some parts of the country, uh, a smaller part, have thought it's giving into secularization to give up Ascension Thursday on Thursday, which I think makes perfect sense. But then other bishops have said, well, people can't get to church, so the numbers are much diminished, and therefore they don't get the benefit of the ascension readings, which I think also makes perfect sense. So I couldn't be pick between the two of them, except I think they're both right at the same time. That's life. Welcome to life's complexity. But I did want to share today the readings of the ascension as well, because I think it's absolutely pivotal because it captures, doesn't it, that idea that somebody should do something. Well, you know, Christ has gone to the Father's right hand, so he's not right here to do it. And the Holy Spirit hasn't arrived yet, so he's not here. So guess who it devolves upon? You and me. I know that's frightening. No wonder the church is all screwed up. But nonetheless, it's for us to unscrew it up and to make things work and to have a sense of responsibility and become the church and become more deeply this is the point, the body of Christ in solidarity, shoulder to shoulder with each other. Now you could think you were alone in the tasks you have, <clears throat> but we aren't. It said Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
You could, and then you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. How marvelous that is. We don't face these things alone. And therefore, also, some people, you know, uh, the obvious is often hard to make an analysis of. Sometimes a counselor and stuff finds it hard to figure out what's going on because there's nothing blatant. And something like boredom is very hard to notice. It's like people speaking prose all their life but never realizing it. You know, they don't quite get it until they get into later years of high school. And so boredom is a thing that accompanies many people who aren't doing anything. And they think they simply have to lay on the couch all day and then they'll get better. But actually, if doing things, if they had a mission, they'd feel great. And so we indeed are sent, like the apostles, if you look at the root in Greek, we're sent. We're sent. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, you've already been doing that by example, giving, if you think of the 30 we had for a Holy Saturday night two years ago, the 32 this year. We had just for the law school, we had three students. Think of the marvelous example of the law students drawing other people in. But when we do that, we want to do it, don't you think, in reaching out to others, telling them the hope that we have, what it said last, the previous Sunday, treat them respectfully when you show them the hope that is rich within you. To treat them gently, one-on-one, -on -one, not with a megaphone blaring, but one by one and listening and hearing people's journeys and having heard their journey help them intertwine it with the journeys of other, of other great saints. And then the matter that the eyes of our hearts are to be enriched with hope in our calling. That's Ephesians 1.18. That the eyes of our hearts are to be enriched with hope in our calling. You may think the anatomy is off, I'm not so sure it is. I think emotionally and psychologically it is bang on. Because if you have people looking at the world and they don't see hope, the eyes of their hearts are without hope. The heart, the motive center, look at St. Augustine there, holding the human heart aflame with love of God. That heart is filled with hope. It knows all God calls us to be. It said yes to it. It is alive and instinct with energy and purpose and mission. And when we are, it makes all the difference in the world. We are finally become ourselves. There are people who draw back from helping anyone else. There are people who draw back from caring. And toward the end of their lives, they have this horrible realization, like the fellow in the last judgment at the front of the Sistine, not above, but at the front. The fellow who at the bottom of the scene has his hand over his face. But you can tell how he feels because one eye is visible and the one eye is of full horror, that he missed the purpose of his life. He let it go by, and he at best backed into his life. And all those people who he could have helped would have transformed his life and told him what he was and what he could be and what he was called for, his mission. Those things precisely were missed. And he had a chance in trusting of the Lord and the, the power of Christ at the Father's right hand, the coming of the Spirit in a week on Pentecost. He would have a chance to go forth to all the world and spread the good news empowered by the Spirit. Is that not a change of heart? Isn't that not seeing with our hearts in a better way? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of our hearts are to be enriched with hope in our calling. Read the scriptures. Read the epistles, the church coming alive. 
in the aftermath of Christ's gift of himself. Think of the lives of the saints and the difference they make. At the law school, they were reading for a semester the Confessions of St. Augustine. Then they read the Introduction to the Devout Life of St. Francis de Sales. There's a marvelous book I found on the spirituality of St. Therese of Lisieux, who lived a very short life, but had a marvelous insight into the Christian life, and indeed, for all the brevity of her life, is made a doctor of the church. Life Lessons from St. Therese of Lisieux. Therese TH, right, if you're looking up in your, in your Dewey Decimals. Therese. Life and Lessons from St. Therese of Lisieux. Garen, it's a woman named Garen with a PhD who's one of the authors. It's a magnificent book on spirituality I wholeheartedly recommend. Why is that? So that we come to see how the eyes of our hearts are enriched with hope in our calling. These nine days which we inhabit right now between the Feast of the Ascension and the Pentecost are the primordial novena, aren't they? We have a chance to open our hearts and lives to the Spirit. You know the toughest thing to tell, well, a quick example. When I was in college, I used to tutor people in chemistry and calculus and all. There's one fellow who I knew from my own high school who was a great friend. And I would tutor him an hour at a time on calculus. I would tutor him specifically on 20 minutes. You say, well, Father, you shouldn't tutor him. You're not good at math. If you don't know the 20 minutes doesn't equal one hour, you've got it all screwed up. But actually, I would be with him for an hour, and for 40 minutes, he would assert that he knew everything. But he was always flunking. Whenever I try to teach him anything, he said, oh, I know that, I got that cold, I know that. But he would flunk every test. So finally, I would get him to do a problem set, and he wouldn't do a single one of them right. At that moment, he realized he didn't know anything, and where he had been closed, at that point, he was open. And he had the chance to learn. We've been given marvelous educations in Catholic schools by our dear parents, by our teachers, and on, by the things we've read, and so on. But I'd like to capture what's more is needed by the title of Bob Kiley, the former dean at Adams House and famous English professor here. Do you know what the title of his biography was, his second autobiography? It was Still Learning. That's you and me. It assumes that we're learning. It assumes that we're open to things and that we're opening our hearts to the Spirit. And in this novena, one of the best things we can do is notice how little we know and how much we have needs of God, need of God's grace and how much we have need of each other and the church. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.